0: Welcome to the So Far So Rare podcast. I'm joined today by this handsome devil, Plastician. Stish, what is happening? How have you been?
1: I've been good, mate. I've been enjoying the World Cup. I'm enjoying your content. You've been all over my phone for the last few months, so uh, congrats. (laughs) Good to be back on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I looked at, it was the 29th of April was the last time you were here, and we were sort of saying just pre-recording that, like, that's kind of scary.
1: Yeah, yeah. The year's flown by. It really has. Yeah. The summer just went in the blink of an eye, really, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it's all gone and now it's nearly Christmas. Have you got your Christmas tree up? Not
1: yet, no. No, I think I think uh, my wife is probably going to be keen to get that up pretty soon. The kids keep asking mm. now. It's December, so maybe this weekend, maybe in the week. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. First but of December is
0: kind of my cut off like for anything Christmassy, but yesterday there was uh, an old jingle on on the car on the radio and I have to say, I got a little bit excited. Um, <laughs> I'm getting that Christmas feeling, but the World Cup's here as well, which makes it really weird.
1: But yeah, yeah, strange. Have you been enjoying the World Cup? I have. Yeah, I think that we, we the very beginning of it was super exciting. I remember, like, you know, that game that we went a run of a few days where we had the big upset against Argentina yeah. with Saudi Arabia, and uh, then Germany and Japan like shortly after that. And it was like this is incredible. You know, you're getting in at like half nine in the morning. To sit down and watch football, and you've got this excitement like mm. it just it it made the sort of like getting through your emails that much a bit more fun, right like. <laughs> yeah. but then I feel like we hit a lull, didn't we, where every game seemed to be a nil nil we get like a goal in the seventy eighth minute or something like that, and yeah, it's uh we definitely hit a little bit of a down patch, but I feel like this third round of games, the last sort of games where teams need to get a result to get out of the group or you know. That teams are maybe fielding slightly weaker sides to test people, give people minutes. These last few games have actually been pretty decent. Last night, um, the Mexico game was really good watch. Um, yeah, Proper enjoyed that. That last sort of 45 minutes of that game was really good. And flicking between what was going on in the Poland match mm-hmm. to see if they picked up any more yellow cards and all of the back and forth wondering, is this going to go down to like pulling a name yellow out of the Yellow cards.
0: Yeah, but it was yeah. literally getting there. And I was sitting thinking like, Watching the Poland Argentina game, I was like, if one of these Poland guys gets a card, like that could actually kick them out. There were two yeah. cards away, weren't they? So if They got two yellow cards in the last 15, 20 minutes, which isn't impossible whenever you're against Messi. <laughs> you know, mm. uh, I was thinking, like, this could be, imagine the drama of that. Imagine you're the guy. Or it could have even went, like, if the goals had went a certain way, it could have been down to, like, if you scored the goal and took your shirt off to celebrate, you could have yeah, set yourself... Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Like So I wonder how that was communicated to the guys on the pitch. But I agree with what you're saying. There's been some class games, some really good upsets. There was a couple of big, like, 3-3s three and a 3-2. Was that... Yeah. Uh, was that? Let me see. This was, like, yeah, two days ago or something. Three days Portugal ago. School game a few days ago was good. Back, back on Monday, we would Cameroon-Serbia, 3-H, followed by South Korea-Ghana, 3-2. Like, big, yeah. big games. Uh, We've had a few nice ones in a row, but I think that is it. Now we've got the final group stage game. has its own excitement for a lot of reasons. And then on top of that, we're going into knockouts. And I think it's funny because from a content standpoint for me, the groups have been all going. And whenever you're playing all the fantasy, you have all these different players and you're loving it. But I think for the wider public, I was talking to someone in work the other day. Um, My final day at work actually is in four or five days, which is exciting. But I was talking to someone at work and they were like, I don't really give a crap until it gets to the knockouts. And I'm wondering, is that like, is that the wider view? Are we going to see like people all starting to watch it? Is it just those yeah. diehards watching it? I know that's not quite true, but you get my point. I
1: f- I think there's a bit of truth in that as well because I've got friends who I consider like proper football fans who just don't seem that bothered about it. Like, you know, we'll try and figure out where we're going to go and watch the England games, and they'll be like, "Yeah, Mal I'll come for the knockouts, but I'm not that bothered about it." And I'm like, "What? They're all like, <laughs> they're all big yeah. games. Like, come on, like, get yourself out of your house, but..." Yeah, I think for a lot of neutrals um especially for England, I mean like mm. knowing sort of really casual people that I know that you know will only really watch football if it's England. Now they won't even watch it until it gets to the knockout stages. So I do think we'll start to see um I think you know like the game against Senegal Sunday night I'll expect a big viewership for that in England. Yeah. Um and if we get through that, I think every game is going to be massive so um yeah, you know, if we if we get through that, we're we looking at potentially playing, is it France the next round? And that, you know, that's an enormous game. Uh, mm. One of the biggest we'd have played in decades, probably. So, um, yeah, big expectations if we get to that point as well. As you know, you know, England fans, we like to get a bit carried away and we've been getting carried away. And if we beat Senegal on Sunday, we'll, it you know, it, it'll be fever pitch. Definitely. Mm.
0: I I think like the thing is you know to the casual watching Canada versus Morocco it's just not really going to happen is it or even Costa Rica mm. Germany I don't know Ghana Uruguay has a nice narrative too but even like Serbia Switzerland but once you get into the knockouts and you're looking I, I'm about to, I was about to say you're getting into big big nations but like not not to sound like an asshole and sorry to any Australians out there but like Argentina Australia how on earth of Australia you got through. They were they were meant to be the whipping boys of that group, so fair play to the Socceroos. They've had they've played a blinder. Netherlands USA is a big game, and you know after that France Poland mm. seems a big game. Uh we've got England Senegal. You know, I don't know. We're starting to fill out that bracket, so I'm excited to see. I suppose for myself, with making all this World Cup kind of content, I'm excited to see the uptick in interest at the knockouts. But maybe no one else really gives a shit. In terms of knockouts. This is a loose segue, but we're going to go there. The Global Cup, match day four. Mm. We get the redraft going get into the knockouts. So we have basically 50 credits to spend on four more players. Um, it's called the extra draft. 50 credits, and you have to pick a forward midfielder, defender, and a goalkeeper. Now, there's been a wee bit of drama about this in the last 24, 48 hours. And you you've kind of been involved.
1: Yeah, do you know what? I've just gone to look at it again, and then I realised now, like I'm just going to come back out of it. But I did my, I did an initial draft, the same as a lot of like kind of so rare users probably did. This the minute it was there, I was like, oh, what's that? Let me have a look at it. And I think I put in a few big, big picks, and then the next day I looked at it and it said like minus three like diamonds, and I'm like, oh, like that makes it it like ineligible. Um, so I redid really it yesterday. And I've just gone to look at um, who I've got, and I noticed that it seems to have like deleted the goalkeeper I picked. Um, but looking at it now, there's still all four of those players are in my cards section. So I just backed it out of the redraft, um, but I'm happy with you know the, like, again what's happened there is the four players that I repicked. Yesterday, which was uh, Gundogan, Mbappe, uh, Muez Hassan, who's the goalkeeper for Tunisia. I just picked him because he was the cheapest goalkeeper and I wanted, I needed some better outfield options. And Kanate. And and now they're too expensive for my, to be my picks. Mm. But they've already been picked, so I'm stuck with them now. But unless something really bad happens, like an injury, or if Germany get knocked out, I'm probably not going to touch that Um Yeah, but yeah, I think like my my entry, my scores have been so bad that it wouldn't be the end of the world if my picks don't kind of like come come home for me. Because um, yeah, I mean like even in like the mini leagues I've created, I'm in like the lowest sort of like bottom ten percent of all entrants. So I'll be lucky. I'll be lucky if I get you know like some of the prizes what which are pretty much like a raffle draw. I think that's about the only hope I've got now. So I think yeah.
0: Look, it's hard to know how you're doing. I think I'm doing all right, to be honest. I'm sort of a 1,000th out of 24,000 in my league. I'm like, uh, so top 10% is where I am. I think if I look across mm-hmm. all the leagues I'm in, I'm on top of a couple of like the smaller ones. Um, I'm sitting sort of second or third in some of the others. And I think I look really good because I picked the the English stack of defence and purposely mm-hmm. didn't pick Trippier, or picked Shaw. Shaw didn't get rotated, Trippier did. Um... I picked Messi and Di Maria, who teamed up for a goal on match day two. Match day three, they both got me, I think they averaged about 60 points between them, which was handy enough. But what really looks good about it is, going into the next set of fixtures, I've now got an Argentina double up on attack who have pulled Argentina. Or, sorry, Argentina who've pulled Australia. And I've got the England defence who've pulled Senegal. So I think like I'm looking good in terms of I've got an attacking stack and a defensive stack that are probably decent enough fixtures going into the next round. Yeah. So now I can spend this fifth And I've got Kimmich captain. Kimmich in the middle. He's captain this week, but he won't necessarily always be captain. Messi probably is. But my point is, I now have... It's a bit of luxury because I feel like I've got four players locked. I want a bit of support for Kimmich. Maybe pick a strong midfielder from another nation. Maybe pick another forward or pick up another defender in case something happens to Shaw. I've got Matty Cash there. I don't know. My point is, I feel like I'm actually in a decent spot. You know? Mm. In terms of like the wee private yeah. leagues and stuff, I don't think I'm going to win the Global Cup, but in terms of finishing sort of top 10%, I think that's all you can ask for at this stage. So now it's really going to be about optimising for the final few weeks. But aside from that, the real reason I brought this up is something you've alluded to. It's the changing points totals for the draft. It's been a wee bit controversial because, as you say, like my my take on it was when I was live streaming the other night doing rewards and saying about this, I was like, there's no point in picking this, I want to see the brackets, I want to see the fixtures, I want to see who's playing who, I want to see who I think will win those games and who they're going to come up against next. So let's say Argentina-Australia is probably going to be the mismatch of the round, but if Argentina are going to come up against Brazil, up against France in the next round if they both win, and I don't actually have a clue because I haven't looked. I'm not going to look until all the brackets are done. Then maybe that's not the optimal play. Maybe the optimal play is the best route to the later stages you can see. Maybe it's getting points on the board as quick as possible. So maybe I'm wrong. But I was waiting. But what's happening is these points totals are dynamic, which apparently was in the T's and C's. But then Mm. someone else says it wasn't in the T's and C's and it's been added to the T's and C's. So there's a bit of drama about that because some people so rare say that was the rule. Some people are saying... That wasn't in the rules. You've added to the rules after the start of the tournament. <laughs> Regardless, it comes back to the whole thing where I think if they're all just on an even point total, even if the likes of Knoppert, who was at 8 and now is, is now 13 or 14, even if he is such insane value that he becomes the meta to an extent, at least mm. everyone's on a level playing field. And if everyone wants to bring him in, everyone can bring him in. Maybe you lead yourself down a road of, of duplicate teams and whatever else. But my point is... The minute you start moving it about like this, part of the game could be speculating who's going to go in, who's going to go through, getting those players in early in this draft, assuming their price will go up and you've got them before everyone else could afford them. So there is strategy there. But I think it's about the the communication of that because that's quite a big change in the game.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I was having a look as well because I think part of my first initial draft was looking beyond the groups as well because I thought, you know, we'll get... The way I kind of misread it maybe was that we get that one draft into the knockout stages but we're going to get a knockout we're going to get a draft every uh every game after this so we're going to end up with a lot of teams with the same players up to the final where you know you're only picking between two teams so most people will look at the final think who do i think is going to win and probably pick a stack or make sure you've got a stack of those players from that team if you can afford it based on that's where your earlier decisions might come in a little bit more because you're not swapping so you'll always have access to that initial five that you draw, or ten, eight that we drafted in the initial draft, right? Mm. Um, but for me, I think like my problem was going quite heavy on Argentina in that early those early stages and had the wrong players. You know, if you got Messi, you're probably all right. I had um, Rodrigo De Paul, who massively underperformed, then um, Letaro Martinez, who I actually would be surprised if he starts again for, for yeah. throughout the rest of the tournament so i'm kind of stuck and it meant that like i had to draft i needed a i needed a, a better midfield option uh, so that's why i kind of went with gundogan on a bit of a bit of a punt that germany still get through and he's on penalties so that was the thinking there but yeah like you said i think that maybe if we gave everyone a fully level playing field and you know those people who were like smart enough to maybe take the risk on nopper in the first round if you then take the sort of like the benefit of being early on that decision away it, it gives every it, it makes it a little bit too much of a level playing field and i think towards the end of the tournament it you will like there'll there'll be thousands of teams that are absolutely identical in that last you know that the final mm. there'll be like tens of thousands of people who have the exact same team but there won't be tens of thousands of people who had the smart you know, like the know-how to pick Matt Turner or Nopper or, I don't know, uh, the the Australia goalkeeper, Matt, um, what's his name? Turner? I, I can't remember his name, Matt. Oh, the Australia, Matt Ryan. Matt, Ryan. Matt
0: Ryan. Sorry, I thought you said USA. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry.
1: And like people who took a risk on players like that, if they find themselves in a good position in that final week, then they'll probably benefit from, you know, if they've got the safe, if they happen to have like the same team as the the next person. I think that's where the, the differential will come in eventually. But also, you know, like, will people lose interest in it, be interested in to see how, like, if there's any drop-off, if anything? Because I think joining the tournament now is almost pointless if you're trying to win anything. You know, unless you're, like, playing against your mates or something, you could still jump jump in and kind of just do the knockout stages. But from a, like, prize point, if you're trying to win this thing, you, ha- you can't miss a game. You can't miss... Mm. Match round, so it'd be interesting to see. Like I said, like I'm definitely, I'm I'm a SoRe user, so I'm going to see it through, and just you know, it's part of my weekly bit of fun, putting my global team together. Even though I've got absolutely no chance of winning anything, but I wonder about all those casuals, all the sign ups Like we, we must have loads of mates ourselves that signed up for this, and already some of my mates are just like, oh, I forgot to do it. I've you know, haven't done it or didn't check to see if they won anything, and. Mm. It's like, as we get into, it, it it kind of becomes a little bit less exciting when you've only got like 22 players to potentially pick from for the game week, right? Yeah. From like a fantasy perspective. It's like, well, why do I want to pick the best five out of 22? I want to pick the best five out of like 600 or something like that. It's, yeah. It becomes a little bit less of a like pure like a fantasy
0: game, but yeah, it's less like the so rare we know where we all like there's yeah. it becomes more FPL, less so rare. The beauty of so yeah. rare is that you put out your teams, and because of the scarcity, the chances of having duplicate teams is very low, the chances mm. of the bonuses being similar are even lower. So, there's always a bit of you're, you're always going to be set apart. Whereas, I think, like, as we get to the latter stage of this global cup, it's going to be incredibly repetitive, but. Do you know it's, it's it's fine because it's a short-term novelty thing and it's just a side game to the world cup but if you're playing for the the later prizes you know you want to come in the top x amount of thousands to win the top prizes yeah it could be still be fun um one thing
1: one thing i have noticed actually is that if you've got them players from the first round of the draft they've actually got a little bit of a percentage bonus so like that will come in handy towards the end where most people have brought in like four players from let's say france get to the final or whatever. And someone just drafts four France players to play that final game. If you had four, if you've had four of those France players through the early rounds and the fir- and the earlier drafts, you're going into that with maybe like an um, eight yeah. percent bonus over the people who've got it. And so I think like that's where maybe that's what the differential will be. Like who had those players in their dra- in their initial draft and has yeah. used them in in the tournament. But it's like going to come one. down to like digits at the end of it, isn't it? It's going to be like percentages of digits of percentages
0: there's been huge swings and I think the big swings are coming from and I've kind of dodged a couple of them so far thankfully is like obviously Mbappe getting benched you know we had that, yeah. the Neymar injury killed people, if you pick yeah. Neymar you're gone essentially, you're you're never winning um, and there's been other ones there's been other big ones, you know Belgium haven't been great Kevin De Bruyne has been terrible, so if you went De Bruyne mm. over Kimmich, you're screwed um, not that Kimmich has been amazing either but he hasn't been as bad as De Bruyne I don't think
1: He's all around a bit better,
0: yeah. So th- there's been a lot of kind of big swings, but that that was the nature of this. It's it's just about dodging bullets and getting lucky, you know. I think like there's obviously skill involved in winning this, but like there's a hell of a lot hell of a lot more luck. The shorter term it is, um, but excited. I tell you what, I'm excited for. I'm excited for football coming back <laughs> yeah. outside this. I'm excited to set teams that are like. Do you know what's killed me here? Actually, Courtois probably going home. He might not, but they need to beat Croatia and they just haven't looked up to it. But. I mean, you wouldn't put it past them, but um, if Courtois goes home, people who are listening to this will know what's happened already. I have no rare goalkeepers, so I'm kind of yeah, underdog or under twenty. Probably just target under twenty three, but like, yeah, it's weird whenever you're used to submitting ten, fifteen teams a week that you're all excited for. And I've actually been looking over a basketball, all week, but I haven't been buying players, but I've been making sure to set my teams and following the scores as well. But yeah, more. yeah, um, I've been
1: doing that. I've been I've actually had a few wins on the basketball since um. Since so Data updated the uh,
0: the basketball oh. side for the lineup builder on and like the projected scores, that's it's helped massively. Incredible! This is the perfect time to plug this actually, but I'm not even joking. I was winning nothing, and I went over and just started using the lineup builder. All I've done is lineup builder basketball best game projections, looked at the yep. ratios and the differences and I plugged see. in the best team and I mean I bought I spot obviously some of the big hitters early but after that I just spammed a load of random guys mm. but those random guys paired with my big hitters based off the ratios, what that basically means to anyone listening is if your guys projected his average he's going to cost you 10 points to play but he's projected to score 15, that's a ratio of 1.5 isn't it? Something like
1: that yeah that's I think
0: right. so. well, yeah, I think so. So it's um that makes sense. Um <laughs> that is definitely it. So basically, if you pick your shit players, the guys with the highest ratios, so you're buying points for the cheapest, and then you hit your big hitters in. I've actually won a few rewards recently, Stish. Exactly as I, you're I saying. I've had
1: yeah, I've had three or four now. Um but it's exactly that. It's like finding them players who maybe have like the la- the last 10 average of about 10. But they find themselves in a week where the the player that they sit behind in the lineup is like injured. Therefore they're gonna make three times what they'd usually make in a game because they're playing thirty minutes or something. And those are that's the difference in basketball versus football is football you just you know, you need the big hitters in. In basketball, everyone's got one big hitter if they're playing the champion. The rest of the team has to be balanced. So in terms of like trading basketball is quite interesting as well because the players whose price fluctuates more are actually those players who have those kind of 10 to 15 averages that might hit 30 that week. Mm. And their price almost doubles in the weeks that like they, they they are projected like a big score. But it's really nice when you're putting your team together and you think, have a little look on Sora data and it's like, oh, that dud player that I won three weeks ago is actually due to hit a 30-pointer this week. Mm. And you can either get rid of him or you can use him and hope that, you know, if you've got the rest of the team looking looking nice and green then you you're in with a shout and i've definitely it's helped me a lot because um before that i was scouring various like Mm -hmm. dfs websites to find out who's being brought in by managers and using that as a signal to like have a look at why someone might be loads of people bringing that in in a dfs game because i think that's quite similar to the Sora basketball sort of strategy wise but now having that, it's just like great. I don't need to scour the internet for all this information. It's all on the same website that I use on a day-to-day basis for football. So that's been a game changer for me, and it's it's noticeable as well. Like I said, I've won I think three or four awards in the last month or so. So,
0: Yeah, I'm the I'm the exact same. Like I, someone mentioned the basketball lineup builder on a podcast recently forget who it was. Someone mentioned it, and I went over and had a look, and I was like, oh my God, what have I been doing? And literally mm. that week went in, and instead of just picking a couple of big hitters and th- throwing in random guys who probably won't even play, I came 243rd, and that got me a tier two limited. Yeah. You know, so, and I was like, okay, so then I've got another guy, and I've won two rewards since then. Uh, Theo Pinson, whoever he is, and Alf- Alpern Sengun, who's apparently decent. He's an average of 32. But I mean, it's just, and I have more options, and I'm just going to keep compounding, which is good fun. So um yes so rare data bring this podcast to you so shout out so rare data if you use the link in the description you get two weeks free at their highest package um their star package and you use all the features and if you don't like it you can go back to rookie and not pay a penny um so i'd recommend you give it a crack stish without we're not dwell well too long so we have essentially given them like a five minute plug now but it's, it's genuinely <laughs> interesting for people who like if you've got a couple of basketball players I find it a bit overwhelming, but the lineup builder just kind of tells you who to pick, which is yeah. really good, and I'm winning rewards, so it was worth mentioning that. Um, regardless, but what I'll ask you in a nutshell is: Could you play so rare without so rare data? Honestly, maybe your answer is yeah. My answer is definitely no. I wouldn't. I couldn't be arsed.
1: At the level that I'm playing now, with the amount of cards I've, I've got, and also just because I find myself like looking constantly at the marketplace, also you know like tra- tracking your players. It, you know, like, so obviously have the app, but it's not, it's a little bit clunky compared to mm-hmm. the sora data app as well. So I would, I would say no for me personally, I think like friends of mine who maybe only have four or five res <coughs> to worry about probably don't need it as much cause they're just not in, as engaged with the content or the, um, the product. But I think if you are someone who's trying to like make, like try and win, you know, I think it'd be hard to win without it because yeah. I think A lot of people use it, obviously. If you don't, then you're at a disadvantage straight away.
0: 100%. Well, look, I think they've got more than their fair share of a plug this week. Shout out Andy Laird. I know he's listening. Uh, (laughs) So um, we've looked at that, we've looked at that, we've looked at that. I wanted to ask you very quickly about collections. Uh, We're starting to see, and even just to talk about the the National Series cards that are collectibles only, and just talk about them and their market and and what we see from them. I've seen... The Messi one of the one of 2022 sold for like an ETH when it first came out last week. Wow. Um, That that was definitely sold for an ETH, and that's for a purely collectible card. Now, I can kind of see why Messi's last World Cup, imagine they won it. It's the one of, you know, if you buy collectability long-term, my people might look at that and go an ETH, but let's call that 1,200 quid. There are physical cards out there of Messi's that have sold previously for tens, if not hundreds of thousands. So I can't understand I think it's such an alien concept to us. We always talk about collectability, but truly seeing collectability, collectability in action is a different thing. We're very utility-based and driven as a, as a platform. We always think about utility and whatever else. Um, but starting to see pure collectibles in the platform is a bit strange for us. And I'm just mm. going to correct myself. That was actually... That messy card initially sold for 1 ETH on the 25th of the 11th. And how many hours later... So basically, someone got it. They thought they'd won them the jackpot, right? They immediately listed it or got got an offer, and they accepted it for one eighth. Okay, so to put that into like pound notes, they yeah. sold it for nine hundred and sixty eight pounds, right? Just seven hours later, Jr. Duke came in with an offer. I was just looking that. Yeah, two thousand one hundred and forty nine pounds. So it actually, the messy one of actually sold for two point one
1: seven nine. Do you know what though? That isn't even. I'm looking unless he's got an, another one. I'm on Jr Duke. Oh, okay, he's bought two. No, hold on. That's some of the seventy four. So Jr Duke didn't even buy the number one for that price. You're joking? By look of it, I'm looking at his cards and his Lionel Messi is number is sixteen. Four-
0: oh my God, Jr Duke. It's not is even some- the number one. Is Jr Duke the guy who bought my Rodrigo?
1: Possibly. He, he's a big. He's a big, uh, big. He's a big account on on the platform. But I yeah, he's got number, right
0: 16, number 16
1: and number 74 messages.
0: Yeah, J.R. Duke, I, I'm calling you out. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, come on the podcast and tell me how you're not. J.R. Duke is a fucking person who's... Do you know what it reminds me of? Did you ever watch um, Narcos, right? And did you yeah. ever see the scene where Pablo Escobar is there and his daughter's cold and he has nothing to light? So he starts burning... Bands, money, like wads of cash because yeah. just and I felt, felt that was like a really hard hitting scene of like money means nothing to this man. Like yeah. he burned 10 Ks just to keep his daughter warm, right? <laughs> Maybe I'm going a bit far here, but JR Duke must be like Escobar esque because Escobar esque because <laughs> he's burning cash. <laughs> like, I, I he gave me six for a Rodrigo that has never sold for anywhere near that. He's given some guy over two grand for a messy card that wasn't even the one of. Like
1: Yeah, I've I've just found the one of I'm gonna try and find out how much it was paid uh, they paid for it, but I've found the one of. The one of was traded, it was bought by someone. Um it was bought by someone called Brace. Um, was it called Invisible? Oh. Invisible underscore bought the messy one of and they've got the Mbappe number ten. I can't
0: see if there's Wait, a way there, I can see. That brace wasn't even a one of. Jeez, I'm butchering this. Okay. The number eight sold for a grand. The number four, 16 sold for over two grand. I'm trying to find the easiest way to find. So
1: the number one of Messi was sold. Um, I'm trying to zoom in to find uh, yeah. it. I'd find this for in a heartbeat invisible it's got to be one of them like if he's bought it i mean it's not one of the spike bigger ones um
0: let's have a look filter by he uh, bought it uh, off keeper 87
1: suit. yeah
0: if you can okay. find how much
1: that trade was worth public offer um but yeah he I, it doesn't it's not one of the the, the higher sales so it must they must have so ju-
0: he got do you know what he got it off he got definitely got it off a of noob yeah definitely and he—he's got it cheap. He's got it less than a hundred quid, we'll say, or in around a hundred quid. Because tr- trolling through that to try and find it would be tough. Yeah,
1: it's t- there's quite a few sales on Messi, so he doesn't—it's not h- hard to find um, the sale. But, oh, um,
0: I've zoomed in. Any joy? Uh, I don't think to so. Find it. I'm just laughing, imagining the retention now. Everyone's like, skip these bags." Yeah, get over. Get on with it, Johnny. <laughs> no, but, I, but now I'm too deep. It's like sunken cost fallacy. I'm like, I'm here now, baby. We're finding this motherfucker. All right, I'm 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 trawling deep here. Invisible bought it, wasn't it? Invisible, yeah. The one of. Imagine how much that would go for to the right person now. I mean,
1: if people are into collecting, that's got to be the card you want, right? The Messi number one. Um And... It it you know it's definitely it's definitely gone cheap because it's none of it's none of the sort of top sales. I you can I it's can cool, quickly yeah. look at the top sales. It's it's less it's definitely less than point one.
0: Yeah, it's it's cheap. It's it's cheap, right? Yeah. So bottom line is the the whole point is the collectability cards, right? The Messi's are goats, right? And Messi's yeah. obviously gonna go for silly amounts, but like, what's Mbappe going for? Or like even just the general market, are you surprised that the liquidity across the lower or like the price of the lower ones? A lot of them are selling for like sub five quid or is that what you'd expect? I think that's what you'd expect. I can see
1: now that, so the invisible Mbappe number 10 went, he bought that for 0.2. Okay. I can see that. He bought that one for 0.2. Um, but his Messi one says trade, which suggests he might have swapped a card for it. So maybe that did go for more in terms of value. Yeah. Um, if there's a way to look at, oh maybe if I look at his transactions and find... That might be the easiest way to do
0: it. He's um, also picked up a Noah Lang one of.
1: Okay, so I can tell you now what he got the Messi for. He swapped uh, Sinan Bolat, Samuel Suarez, Donny Marlin and Felix Torres Rez for oh. Messi. So like um a, a rough value of about oh. just over an ETH, roughly an ETH in value on rare cards for that Messi. This is all just so mad. so it's it, it's it's gone for a, it's gone for a bit of money, let's say in terms of like its value card valuation when traded half an ETH 35 point nearly point 3 point 1 so about around about an ETH and a bit an ETH and change for that yeah. messi i mean that that feels a bit more like what you'd expect right the mbappe for its point 2 number 10 uh, it's
0: the 10 though that's what he wears for france isn't it
1: yeah if these things do become collectible then this person will probably be laughing in 10 years yeah. time but that's the big if like yeah it kind of relies on the the exploration of nfts by regular people just having these you know hear more and more of it being called a digital collectible now because i think the term nft puts a lot of people off mm. um and i think you know if this becomes something a lot i think Quinny talks a bit about this being like the Panini, the first Panini sticker album in terms of like NFTs. And I get that as well, like in terms of like licensed football digital collectibles, this is kind of like the Holy Grail.
0: Yeah. Like
1: this is the first, but you know, the fact that for me, like someone who comes in to play the game, I'm not that bothered about winning these cards. And if I won a Messi, I'd probably keep it because I'd be like, oh, sweet. But I haven't won anything to write, worth writing home about. I've won, you know, players I couldn't even tell you. Like, I've sold them. I I, just, I listed them for a couple of quid each and got rid of them.
0: Just got rid. You see, I'm kind of just yeah. keeping all the ones I get and seeing what happens.
1: Yeah, I think if you get good ones, it is. But, like, most of mine are, like, you know, like players who have not had a minute at the tournament yet and they're mm. just in the squad. And, you know, they're better off in someone who is trying to collect their collection. And then I'm, I get six or seven quid back for it and... It goes in the kitty towards a limited card that I can use in the game somewhere. So that's kind of been my. I think when we first got into the Global Cup, I had the impression that we were going to be able to use those cards in the game, so that it might like, you know, the trading side of things might be really interesting. But the fact that we can't use them in the Global Cup, I was just like, get rid of them. I don't don't need them.
0: It could have been unless far. I
1: want something good. If I want a if I want a Messi or something like that or. You know, a player I really liked. Then I'd probably keep it just for like, oh, remember when I won that card? Like a bit of a keepsake. But at the minute, you know, I haven't won anything that I felt was worth keeping hold of. So just been just been getting rid of mine up to this point. You you must have a few now. Have you got um? I have a few. I, that's another thing as well. Like this week they changed it. I don't know if you noticed that. As another thing that changed on Global Cup was in the International Series rare, limited, super rare you used to be able to field like a team that had dmp's in it so players that ain't at the tournament or mm. you can't do that in the last week or two in the first week you could so you almost guaranteed yourself a yeah few of the those, super rare uh, division cards. yeah i couldn't i couldn't enter a super rare rare or limited team um outside of like my kind of all-star team so in the global cup i've only got my main global cup like commons entered mm. so that's the only team that could potentially win me another tradable card so i'm only I'm only likely to win at best one of them this week whereas previous week's game game weeks I'd won one or two mm. um or two or three actually I think it was but this week it changed so I just like I've been f- kind of focusing my collection into like you said u twenty three and looking at um even like this week I actually bought some cards to fill out a team into the second division rare Pro because there was like no one entering it I was like Looking at the prize pool, four cards paid out, you know, 0. 0.25 ETH for the top place. Yeah. I had a card or two and i just bought a goalkeeper who actually did have a fixture. So I was like, I could fill this team out with a couple more players that are going to start. Got a couple of super rares on the cheap. Banged out a team that mm. like, you know, when Surred so Data shows you like the kind of rankings before a game started, you can see who's got like, so I had five players and two of them are super rares. So, I think I was like third or fourth, like highest potential score. But then my team ran out last night and an absolute stinker. So, that was a waste of money.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's really annoying. Worthwhile punt Uh, or not. You know, he who dares sometimes loses. I know that was me (laughs) this (laughs) week. I should have put my goalkeeper that I bought in my All Star Pro because my three players in my All Star Pro have all run out like 100 each so far. Oh. It's really annoying. Yeah. I
0: think the somewhere where was we'll he upsets this week is obviously under twenty three. There's been a lot of under twenty threes, and well, across the board, been a lot of restings and rotations. Mm. A lot of them predictable. Some of them not so much. But like, I I didn't bother looking into it as much as I should have. But the likes of Mbappe been rotated to Pamikano. I think they were like a lot of these were like foreseen. Um, I seen that Camavinga was likely to play, so I played him, and mm. he shot like he got like sixty something, sixty one points of AA, and he, yeah. and he got absolutely slated by the media. <laughs> I so think I like they played him at like they played the him as like a
1: fullback, yeah. So yeah, he was. I, you know, I I caught I caught the very end of the tail end of the game. I had uh, I was watching the other game to be honest. I was kind of following that a bit more. Um, but I was listening in the car while I was like driving at one point, and uh, you know they were talking him up, saying he's mm. doing a great job for someone who's had to fill in at fullback. Like, you know, made a couple of good clearances. He uh, got a post. And...
0: He got a triple triple. He got six tackles, one right, eighteen points. He won possession nine times, but he lost at eighteen. He <laughs> won eighteen jewels, which is that's incredible. He lost five jewels, and he made three interceptions. Um, I mean, from a super perspective, a he balled out. But um, yeah, yeah, playing him at fullback is a is a fun one. It's just his versatility. I've seen him saying into the media about wanting game time. He doesn't want to rotate for all his life type of vibes. And I think it must be frustrating for him seeing Xiuameni coming in, who's obviously a different type of player, um, but and getting all the game time at Madrid and Camavinga not getting so much. Speaking of young dynamic duos who've went to a big team, uh, not that one of them has necessarily yet, we had Julian Alvarez and Enzo Fernandez last night, didn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They look like they're coming on great. They have Enzo's... been announced
0: on the world stage now. Yeah, Enzo definitely. has had a great World Cup. Julian is just well a bit more well known now, anyway, from his Man City move. But like seeing them two coming through was like a so rare manager's wet dream, wasn't it? I put a yeah. tweet out that got a bit of it that obviously struck home with people. I said, um, every so man, every so rare manager to their mate's in the pub right now. I've known both those lads since the River Plate days and I'm an OG Elite scout and I have no doubt yeah. that everyone who was watching the game with a mate was like, oh, sure, I've known him since River Plate Yeah, he used to be amazing there, so we did, and then he went here and he's went there. All of us acting like we know what we're at. But um
1: when I talk yeah. like that to my friends, I can always feel myself looking in the my own the back of my own head saying, "Shut up, stop it." That's like, yeah, stop shut trying up, what you to a What you? Yeah. Oh, you're stop so talking. cool. Shut up, yeah. Virgin.
0: Yeah. Um, the the national series cards I've got so far, I went and bought a Taihon Tajon. I don't know how you're meant to say his name, Buchanan. I thought he looked great yeah. for Canada. Um, he's Bruges, yeah, yeah. isn't he? But he looked great. That's but I, I way overpaid for what you can get him for now because it was like the morning. That they first came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I got a Pedri for not a lot, but I got the Pedri. Uh, I won like a Bruno Petkovic, whatever. Danny Olmo, I think I won. Uh Rodrigo De Paul, I won. Christian Romero, I won. And then people wanted a couple of other cards that I'd won, and I accepted trades. I think I have got, I forget who I got, but I've now got Marcus Taram and Teon Coopminers, Who, whatever. Nice. Um So I like. I'm not saying I'm. Fo- I haven't really focused on these. I'm not trading for them. I think it would be different if my nation was there if ireland players were an option yeah. i would be collecting them all but i don't really support any other nations i support other players because of so we're broken that way and one of those i think a lot of us are in so Rare, we're those weird guys that general football fans make fun of for supporting players
1: yeah yeah We're that yeah i think for me it'll be interesting to see after the tournament i think a lot of the prices will go to like next to nothing you'll be able to pick like finish your collections if you're in if you're for so pennies, yeah. inclined but i think the team that wins it they'll kind of hold a nice kind of value because there will be people that will look at it and think i want especially if you're from that nation like obviously england is the same Like they're not on it you can't buy the england players but if i was like a french fan or a german fan um and my team went and won the world cup i think i'd go out and try and finish my collection and have it in Mm. in there but um but yeah I'm, i'm i'll probably i'll probably end up giving if i've got any left at the end of the tournament i'll probably give them away as prizes to like you know our mini league or something like that that we say yeah
0: i think i i, I kind of like the idea of keeping some of them if they're low i don't want like the 1843rd or something but if i've yeah. got like a wee top 100 diamond is it, or like gold whatever yeah. it is up that direction yeah let's see let's just hold this longer term for the crack because i don't really care we'll, we'll see what it's worth maybe in 10 years if so rare ever exists Do you know it's one of those like it's kind of like all those cards behind me the reason I buy collectibles isn't to flip in and out of them personally. I buy them to collect them long term and hope that longer term they become worth something. So like any of the sports cards I've bought in the past, and there's there's a decent few of them, I've got them in storage now and I plan on literally not touching them for like 10 years, 15, 20, whenever there's the next boom in it, because it'll boom again at some stage. Mm. Um, so that's why I'd kind of look at these. Get them in. Forget about them; they're not worth a lot now. Or even buy a load of them now if you really back the collectability. You could, after the World Cup, give it to January, February. Just start scooping a load of them up. Forget about them if you back mm-hmm. it long, long term. I'm talking because I don't think you're going to make a quick buck on these in the next year or three. No, definitely um, not. And there is obviously a chance everything burns to the ground, so <laughs> it's one of those long term. <laughs> let's see what happens. Is but I mean it is essentially. I don't know if it is the first officially licensed. Digit, like NFT, officially licensed digital collectible for the World Cup, or are there other licensed World Cup collectibles? I don't know.
1: No, I mean, I've seen other crypto, like Crypto.com, who are a big sponsor of the World Cup, they have like an NFT thing, but it's kind of, I haven't looked into it too much. I know like some players have their own kind of like special editions and things like that. But yeah, in terms of like a bit more of a wider reaching collectible in the kind of Panini style, I haven't really seen anything else like this, but obviously... Mm. They didn't get. It would have been nice if they had every single license. Obviously, yeah, and... it's a bit gutting that they haven't. Because it, I was saying this on um on the End Product podcast a while back about when they was talking about doing this. I was like, if it doesn't have every team, it's not going to work. But they do have every team playable, so I think that's the game. It works, mm. but from the sort of collectible standpoint. It reminds me a bit of some of those bootleg like sticker books that I used to get when I was a kid. Yeah. Where like all the players just had like a white T-shirt on or something like that. And that's what the England ones look like. So, you know, it's a bit gutting to see that. I would have loved them to have every team. But I I don't doubt that they'll have this in place maybe for the next Euros or the World Cup that follows it. So I've just realized that I think you'll be there.
0: I think I think I messed up in even saying that this was an officially licensed World Cup collectible because I don't think they are. They're like no, officially they... licensed from an international standpoint, but they That's have like, right, yeah. World Cup branding. So I think I balls that bit up. But
1: yeah, look, individual we'll, licenses. Yeah,
0: we'll see how that one goes. That one goes long term. Uh, Stish, something just to say to everyone here: this is actually very important. If you like me or my content, things are going to be changing, and I won't dwell too long on this. But ultimately i feel like this is the place where the diehards will be if they're what 40 minutes or something into this podcast this is where to speak to them i think stish um (laughs) where if you're watching this on youtube you're already here if you're listening to some podcasts but see some of the youtube stuff just be very aware this is happening and this is like a genuine call for help whenever this does happen that you'll you'll help push it for me the so rare content on my channel is going to move channels so this started off as a so rare channel but you might have seen that the subscriber count has went absolutely obscene in the last maybe two to three months, and that's because of the short form content I'm doing. It does not mean I've I've quit my job and going full time, so I need to look at what makes the most sense for me longer term in terms of just financial stability, in terms of growing channels. And I've been seeing comments and live streams recently, and I've been seeing stuff like. I must have subscribed to this channel by mistake. And to give you a little bit of an idea, just to justify this to an extent, because people might feel like, oh, we built this channel from So Rare and now you're ditching. <laughs> What's really happening, what is going to happen to my content is that because such a low percentage of my subscribers now are interested in So Rare when i put a so rare channel or a so rare video up a very low percentage of my subscribers click into my videos and if they do click in there's a chance it's by mistake and they'll click out so what it's actively going to do is kill my so rare content because the click through rate will be low the retention rate will be low and it's just going to kill the channel so i want to keep making so rare content but i have to do it somewhere else so this channel will probably be renamed very soon. If you're li- if you're listening on podcast, my so my John Nellis YouTube channel will be renamed something more generic football soon. And there will be a John Ellis so rare channel that's spun up. I will tweet about this. I will post this everywhere when it happens. There is actually in the link of wherever you're watching or listening to this. A link to that channel now. There's going to be no content on it for a week or two. till I work out what I'm doing. But you can go over and subscribe. um, Just to start the following building again there. But what I'm asking you to do. Is really help the whole community know that I have moved. Because they, they just won't see my content otherwise. I'm kind of hitting the reset button. But it has to be done longer term. For me to be able to be a full time content creator. Does that make sense, Dish? Does that sound fair? You know, I've, been, I've worked on the other side of
1: content before for businesses who are like building YouTube channels and that and what you're saying actually does make sense. And uh to people who are listening to this like you said, like, oh, don't think I'm jumping ship. I totally get it because like you you've found like a rhythm now and you're in the algorithm, mm. which is like quite funny considering rhythm. But <laughs> you're in the algorithm now. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram knows who to feed your content to. And it's going to feed your content to people who want that short form football tidbits like trivia, little facts and stuff like that. That's what they want. Um, But yeah, you, you maybe did build the platform to an extent. But you know, the growth that you've seen in the last couple of months since you started doing the shorts and the kind of like the reels on Instagram and that kind of stuff that's like quick fire, you know, 30 seconds, a bit of information. That kind of thing is working. But if you see the engagement go down on this kind of content, it will kill your survey content, and then mm-hmm. people will have to go dig in f- to find it as well. So it probably does make sense to split it at this point. You'll probably migrate a large percent. A lot of people won't realize it's moved. It'll, oh, yeah, like, they
0: won't follow you. So that, that's you'll where have everyone to finally get, comes in.
1: It will take a while for that channel to build back up to what it was before you started doing the short form, I think. But in the longer term, it will... It'll, It'll be healthier for the channel as it is now.
0: It'll be healthier for both channels. Because at the minute... Yeah. Be you won't to... have any
1: negative comments on your so rare content on another exactly. channel that you may be getting now. And as the person who's creating it, as much as you might have a million really nice comments, the one or two <laughs> negative ones are the ones that will like drill into your head all day long. You yeah. think, why does that person not like it? Oh, What am I doing wrong? It's it's the same with me in like, music and that is like... You can have a million people say this is the best song they've ever heard. But one person who's like, this is awful, sounds like a kid made it on like a k- kinder yeah. toy or something <laughs> like, like That's it, that. Someone d- someone one... definitely
0: said that to you, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've lived <laughs> with it for the rest of my life. Yeah. But
1: no, it, it's those comments that stick with you and live with you and make you think more about what you're doing wrong and like wow. how you can improve. But I just, it's, it's one of those things. But I, I'd agree. I think... Um, the growth that your channel's seeing it makes sense for you to split it and yeah it will it, mean that maybe your so rare content doesn't have the views that it's had now but it will have like legit views from people who actually want to yeah. see it
0: look I, again it's one of those where i feel like we've built a bit of a community there it's it's annoying as well from like the membership standpoint and all those bits i've talked to those guys i know the crack but realistically this has been such obscene growth and it sounds like I'm licking my own arse but to put it into perspective, two months ago I had 10,000 subscribers, I'm going to hit 100,000 today as we record, that means that 90,000 people you could argue are here for the short form and 10,000 are here for so rare, which means that 90% of people who are on my channel don't give a shit about the bulk (laughs) of what's on the channel. Which kills all those videos. So with this, th- what this channel will probably transition into. Um, I'm sorry if I'm boring anyone. But I just want to get this across. It's a very big move for me. I and mean, if you follow this podcast I imagine you follow me to an extent. Um, this is about trying to go full time. And if I can create a football channel with football videos. And then transition into like premium. Remember the vlogs I used to do? Maybe doing that with football. Less than just. Not just so rare vlog. Like a football this. A football that. Um, and maybe there'll be some so rare scattered through, you know, maybe that'll make sense. But having a dedicated so rare channel where people know they're going to get so rare, it makes sense. So that's coming when it comes. What I'm asking of everyone watching or listening to this is, please do share it for me, a little retweet, a little post here, because I want everyone to know who, who who wants to see the content. I want them to know what's happened, so they don't just fall off and never find me. But anyway, long time on that. Stitch with some questions. Will we answer some?
1: let's go let's do it right
0: so first up let's go for Holti's question I haven't read any of these thoughts on the redraft and did you know the value of a few players would change so we've already kind of touched on that is there anything you want to add in or will we just say we've answered that
1: yeah I wouldn't add anything to that I think we covered it I definitely Mm -hmm. didn't know the value of players would change and it did kind of stifle me but now I'm yeah I'm just going to stick with with what I'm at, I think that pretty much. I think we covered it, yeah.
0: Yeah, we did. Who's your favorite player to watch this World Cup, and why? Is a question from so rare Connor.
1: So I hotly tipped Jamal Musiala before the tournament, um, and Gakpo as well, actually. So my two like main tips have 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 come through. I mm-hmm. think Musiala still has a bit to show in that you know he's got an assist, but he could have scored a couple of goals and should have. You know, like the form that he showed at Bayern, before the tournament, he'd have buried the two chances that he probably should have, well, three chances I think he probably should have had. But he's been great to watch. Like, his footwork, he's so quick. um, And I have no doubt that if Germany do manage to squeeze through the groups, he's going to start to shine. Um, And, you know, he's so young. Uh, So I've been really excited watching him. Um, I think Gakbo has proven himself on the the global stage. I wouldn't say he's been as, like, fun to watch, because I think Netherlands have been a little bit I think they've been a bit disappointed. I think they've got the results they needed, but I don't think that they've blown anyone away. Yeah, um, they've started games well and then just kind of lulled and allowed teams back in. And so, I, I, as much as I think Gakpo's done what I thought he might do, he's not been as like fun to watch as maybe like Musiala, who I think still has a bit more to offer. So I'd say like watching Musiala has been great up to this point, but I'm, I still think we've got more. To come from him if Germany managed to stay in so I'd say him Jude Bellingham as well as an England fan has yeah, been incredible it's been so good to see him like you know mature at the age that he has into the position he's playing and he is for me a player that I'll be really disappointed to not see on the team sheet in mm. any of our games now so yeah I'd say those those are like my three main and I think obviously like. I underestimated Spain. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they've been. Um and Gavi and Pedri have been Gavi's incredible.
0: looked I thought Gavi's been very very good.
1: Yeah, he yeah. massively surprised me. He's been much better than I thought he was. So Gavi as well has, has surprised me a lot. But um I've really loved watching um the 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 African teams in the cup as well. Mm. I think um Morocco particularly loved the way that they attack games. Um they've surprised me. Um, I've expected them to have some quality and some flair, but I think they've been a really good watch in the tournament as well as a team. Um, and in terms of like maybe like a disappointment, oh, I say that actually. No, another team that surprised me was Australia. I think we kind of touched on that. Yeah. They they haven't been flamboyant or flashy or particularly nice to watch, but they have ground out results. And uh, you know, if you're an Aussie watching that team, they must be absolutely buzzing that they yeah. got through into the knockouts.
0: I think like to go off on a wee rampage as well. I completely agree with Gakbo. I did like a World Cup fantasy draft thing. Um, I didn't want him in my Global Cup team. Kind of re- yeah. maybe maybe a bit of regret. Well, maybe not, because who would? Anyway, but on my fantasy game, which I've given up on because the game is shocking, which is great for Solare, um, Gakbo was like my controversial pick before the tournament. I wouldn't even say he was controversial, but he was one that not many people were picking before the tournament. And I think on a whole, what I'm really enjoying seeing is these young players who we have all known and loved on Solare for so long coming to the fore and actually playing at the top level. So as you mentioned, like Gakpo. It's great seeing him, as you say. Netherlands have been disappointing. It's not like he's driving, running games, beating players left, right and centre, dominating. He's kind of getting on the end of chances and scoring goals. So it's maybe like he's not standing out as much as he could, but he's getting the job done. He's definitely announced himself onto the top level. I'd be surprised if he doesn't move in January. I still yeah. don't know how I feel about getting rid of his rare card. I got rid of his rare card and added a couple of ETH to give Vinny Jr. An extra year of under 23, the lack of risk of a drop-off of going up to a, a, a top five club. Uh, top five league club, I think there's a lot mm. of reasons but I had like the rookie jersey mint and he's really doing the business now so bit of regret but whatever so Gakpo, I've loved I think as well, at going along that theme of young players that have been outstanding you know, Bellingham doing it at that level is just amazing mm. to see, it really is, um I think in that group with England as well, I think Wales were disappointing. I would have liked a bit more out of Wales. I think Gareth Bale in particular was very disappointing. And I mean, you know, he's an old guy. He doesn't play as much as he used to, whatever else, golf and all the jokes. But (laughs) he somehow on the international stage kind of defied that over the last few years, it seems, where like he'd still show up for Wales, but he just didn't show up for Wales. But Wales as a whole maybe didn't show up. Um, So got it for Harry Trades. Shout out to Harry, who went out and went to six games. Yeah. Moving on, I'm just going through the groups here and I'll try not to dwell too long. I think again, seeing like Enzo Fernandez doing swell so well for Argentina, gave me a wee bit of a chub. Yeah, true. Uh, Messi's goal, <laughs> which was amazing against Mexico. Uh, it was Mexico we scored that screamer against. It was. It was brilliant. Um, running through that into France, you know, some they've got such depth, don't they? Denmark yeah. have been disappointing. Denmark, I thought, oh, they, they were much better. Yeah. They
1: were awful. They were really bad to watch. Um, super disappointed with them. And and Costa Rica in the game against Spain were one of the worst teams I think I've
0: ever seen yeah. in the World Cup. I think they,
1: you know, they they, they dragged it back against Japan, but um, yeah, they they're still were... above
0: Germany in the group. That's how disappointed yeah.
1: Germany are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do um, still, I do still fancy Germany to 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 get out of the group, though. I think um, I think Spain and Germany both win and and well, and should yeah. get out.
0: Yeah, I, I, this I'd, is I'd one of those where. You know, like the rotation in game week three, it's, or match day three, it's it's rough. Like, you know, France last night changed in something like 10 players or something mad. If Spain go rotating because they're playing against. Well, mind you, Japan's a tough game, so maybe they won't. And they've yeah. only got four points. They're not guaranteed. No, this is so it. So maybe, they have yeah. To, they have to go big again. I if think Spain they both has, go big. Yeah, I think they both go big. So you could be right. It could be Spain and Germany. Um, but in that group, yeah, Germany have been disappointed. They just don't have goals in them. Um, and they've conceded three. Belgium have been. Absolutely dire. And I think Canada have been really exciting. Jonathan David, unfortunately, not the most exciting. But Alfonso Davies just beating boys for fun. Your man Buchanan, who I mentioned, I I find him, I mean, you know, has he delivered? Has he, in terms of numbers, I don't know what they're like, but on the eye, he's easy. Does that, you know what I I,
1: mean? I, I think Canada were really good. One thing I will say is I feel like they lacked a little bit of stamina. Like they went so hard in the first 20 minutes of every game. And you think, God, they're going to they're gonna win. They're going to win this. Got an early goal in the second match. And then, you know, the first game, they just had the opportunities to kill it off and uh, didn't. And then they got punished for it in the second half. And I felt like there was a bit of that again in their second match. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're a young side. I think, you know, if they qualify for the World Cup again, in four years' time, well, actually, they're on home soil. So how does that work? Because it's shared, isn't it, between Mexico, Canada, and oh, America? I,
0: I imagine the three are there. So there's going to be 48 well, all th- teams you or something. Think
1: actually, no, because it's 48 teams, isn't it? So maybe all three of them do. They will. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. they'll. They'll. I'll expect them to kick on in the next World Cup. We'll see big things from America as well. I think, but Can- Canada. Um, yeah, I think I th- I think they did themselves proud. They didn't get the results they'd have hoped for, but they they definitely didn't. Um, dampen their relate their their reputation i think they've done wonders for their reputation in the global football stage but yeah i think um it's like, so a belgium horrendous and it doesn't help like the way that de Bruyne has been talking to the press about yeah. being too old to win apparently, apparently there, there's fallouts there now
0: apparently he de... doesn't talk to Courtois and hasn't for years because yeah, Courtois
1: shagged his missus or something oh i didn't even know it was about that i just saw something about yeah. like dressing them being really bad Apparently yes.
0: I read that. It literally and the reason I said shag Misses, which sounds a bit crude, is because that's literally the headline I read. <laughs> it was apparently It was probably in some shit rag newspaper, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it might even be true, but apparently they don't speak for personal reasons. Um Mm-mm. which is, is alarming. And obviously they've just got such an old team. As the point yeah. says, they've got such an old team. Their defenders are so slow, they've hazard up starting. It's it's a it's classic
1: what happened with England during that kind of like golden generation that was always talked Mm. up that never won anything was like we just held on to those players for another tournament or two too long which then hampered the next generation coming through because they were they missed their opportunity to get bedded in and i think that was one thing that we can say about southgate was as soon as he came in he kind of just was like look we're 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 bringing the youth in and those this team have been as much as a lot of them are young a lot of them have some of the younger players have been to two or three like major tournaments now like Mm. you know like i know sterling's not young anymore but he has been playing for England for what feels like decades now. like, But he's not that old, you know. He's still got years in him. And um, Harry Kane is still, what, is he 29, 30? He's, he, he's probably got another World Cup in him, do you know what I mean, mm. as a centre forward. So, um, yeah, it's it, you know, I think it was the right move long term. Um, and I think that Belgium are just in that same place that England were at, maybe 2002, 2006 World Cup, where it's like, that was like our last shot and then after that we just you know, we were just holding on to him for a bit too long after that, but I think well, Belgium just have to have to rebuild keep a cool. couple of the stars there get rid of some of the deadwood bring through some good players maybe rumor we'll get some utility it. for Doku finally
0: oh, Imagine <laughs> D- Doku and Deketler and Lang and whatever but rumour has it it's coming home Stish but I'm not going to buy into that I've, I've made oh, my I'll room meet. green on purpose just to fight back but it's, it's, um, uh, mine's
1: mine's always gray so uh there's not a lot i can do about it coming <laughs> home but um it's definitely coming home but just to wrap coming. up
0: the, the final couple of groups uh i move on from the common home chat <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> there's not, nothing really i don't want to dwell too much longer on this because we spent a while serbia i feel have been disappointing you know conceded a lot of goals you think oh, they might yeah. have had a bit more firepower but i think that group's kind of went to script um Portugal and Ghana, South Korea and Uruguay's group is quite exciting, even going into the last day as well. Portugal through, but I mean, Ghana, Uruguay, Suarez, the whole narrative there is very exciting. Will Portugal rest players against South Korea? South Korea, no chumps, could they go and get a result against Portugal, which could put out both Ghana and blah, 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 blah. So exciting, exciting in that group. Let's see if we have another question or two before we wrap up. How do you think, this is from Ron Royale, how do you think the influx of new users is going to affect so rare once regular competitions resume? Will we see an upturn in more regular users or will most dip out after the free-to-play Global Cup? To be honest with you, I'm going to answer this quickly and then you can come in with it and you want to say, Stish. I think it's kind of like it's one of those questions where I think the answer is quite obvious. I feel like there will be an influx, but most will drip out. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If we had 100,000, we're not going to have 500,000, we're not going to have 400 300 but If we have 140,000, that's a 40% increase off one tournament in free-to-play competition. And that's the way it kind of needs to be looked at. I don't know what numbers the success in retention. But I mean, like there's a lot of rewards getting given out here. Okay, some of these custom series national cards might be selling for a couple of quid. Is that enough to hook someone in? Maybe not. Is it enough to even get them to set up a wallet to withdraw and get out of that process? No, but if all those people who hit jackpot grab a limited card worth 40 quid, they're going to want to either get their money out or say, do you know what? I'll play with this. Mm. So um, I think it depends what you define as an influx. Going from 100,000 entrants in common competitions or whatever it was to 500,000 is unrealistic. Going from 100,000 to 200,000 is doubling. That is an influx. Is 125,000 a 25% increase in influx? I don't think people would see it as one, but maybe it's a decent outcome. Probably it's not enough when you think of the the scale of the market and, what would you be what I've, do you think's fair like in terms of like casual competition entries if we go from I kind of 000... agree with
1: you in that like if someone's won a limited card, they might be more likely to see what comes of the end of the tournament and what they can do with it or or get their money out or yeah, they might and but I think even in that experience of trying to sell that card and maybe selling it or not selling it, depending on what their experience is of getting their money in and out of the thing or things like that will come to play but i would expect that maybe like the retention of let, i'm just looking at it now there's 550,000 entrants in the global cup this week um i what well, i think on average from the last time i looked i think like the common leagues where you know you can win a common card and very highly unlikely of winning anything else i think if they take a look at re, if they really want to retain some of these users they're going to have to kind of reevaluate the free to play side mm. of rare after the World Cup because I don't think that the the common um you know game is fit for retaining it's not the same experience that they're getting from the global cup and, and, yeah. and it's not as in they won't be as engaged with it. You know, it takes time to build up a team that you know like I've got I've got friends who only play common who still can't field a team every week. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's hard to win enough cards that become useful enough that and then and then to win more commons and not a lot else, it's like they kind of lose interest in it. And I feel like we'll get a lot of that from the Global Cup, but you will definitely get people that got in the Global Cup, figured out how to play the game and realise that there's other tournaments that you can play. And I wonder how many of these people who signed up have also gone, I'm going to buy an international special team and bought a mm-hmm. limited team or bought a rare team to enter that during the World Cup. That would be interesting to see, but I don't know if there's any way of seeing those metrics. But I'd expect a big drop-off, like you said. But I do think that it will be an uptick from what we had pre-World Cup. Um,
0: it has it has a lot yeah. more people with accounts opened. It, it, they're, they're much warmer leads now. They're essentially hot leads. In the future, yeah. if the Premier League comes and these people get hit with subsequent marketing, they're much more likely mm. to sign into SoRare now than they would have been if it was their first sort of... Seeing first, what is it? First hit, first bite of the cherry, first time they'd seen So Rare. If they see subsequent marketing and they already have an account through this Global Cup, they're more likely Oh, I have an account of that. What's going on there? So let's say, yeah. for example, So Rare, everyone thinks, everyone knows, everyone reckons the Premier League's coming, right? So let's say the Premier League comes. Okay, maybe they announce it this month, but I don't know why you would do that and tread on the toes of one of two things. You announce it this month, you either tread on the toes of the World Cup. Why would you put marketing efforts into both? You probably focus on yeah. the global cup till it's done. Then it's Christmas. Do people really give a shit? Or you try and catch that Boxing Day thing. But maybe, yeah. honestly, here's one for you. Paying for advertising in the few days leading up to Christmas is gonna cost infinitely more than what it'll cost post Christmas from a marketing True. campaign standpoint. So let's pretend the Premier League is coming. When do you launch it? For me, it's January. I don't know when, but that's when I would probably do it. Um and my point there is that what if they made a longer form free-to-play game, kind of like the Global Cup, but for the latter half of the Premier League? It's a bit weird, but they're getting to the sense. end of the season. But that might hook yeah. in FPL managers and have a grand leaderboard. FPL's top prizes are a load of bollocks. They're like goodie bags yeah. in a PS5. What if So Rare <laughs> had like the top one hundred prizes? Mad shit, VIP tickets to the biggest teams in in England, if they yeah. had merch experiences, um,
1: Similar to what they've done now with, like, you know, each game week has a good prize, but the main prize is massive. Obscene. Like Go and kick a go, ball around with Dan. Like Go to crazy England's crazy. training,
0: or go to, go to your team's training ground and kick a ball with the players.
1: Yeah, sit in the director's the box for the team you want to sit with or whatever.
0: Whatever yeah. it is. Like, mad shit. That's, I feel there's an angle there in the longer form game, and that gives them a few weeks post-Global Cup to optimise it for... You know that, and I mean, imagine longer term. What you could could you see so rare as having the regional leagues for people all across the world who support their teams to play with their teams in a free to play mode to win obscene cards, obscene prizes, but then obviously even bigger prizes or more prizes at the paid level. I don't know. Maybe we're going down a rabbit hole, but I just think like. Will there be a drop-off? Yes, there will not be 500,000. I don't even think there'll be 200. But what is an influx? Is adding 50% to your your free-to-play, like actually playing, is that a success? I think it probably is. Maybe people disagree. I know there's someone at home going, you're an idiot. Because (laughs) I feel like I'm pulling numbers out of my arse. But that's an interesting one.
1: It's definitely good for the brand. Whatever happens at the end of this, whether people carry on or don't, I think a lot more people know what Rare is and and have engaged with it enough now to just have an idea of what it means what it is how it works
0: here's a side note and it's one that's so rare i imagine are more than aware of right so this isn't a, this is kind of a warning to so rare but i'm sure i, I know that this has to be forefront of mind it's been no secret how much they've struggled to get out merch and get out things in the past that's been no secret you know people win things people have got things people have been promising things and it's taken it's not taken a couple of weeks It's taken months, right they're about to try and distribute the most amount of stuff they've ever had to distribute. Yeah. If they do not have the systems in place to actually distribute these rewards correctly, the the shitstorm, the amount of people who'll be posting still haven't got my where's my it's been four weeks and I still haven't received my. That's not a good look. No, they, do you thousands. Know what?
1: They they should have. If it was me, right, that that stuff would already be in mailer mailer bags now in mm. like put back into the shelves in like so like size like what well, like what that what's inside the bag whatever ready to ship right i've had personally selling records right i i've got a load of them here but um released a record a few years ago that was like a limited edition all hand done announced it didn't expect it to sell that quick thought you know i'll have over the course of a few months we'll get rid of these they sold out in a few hours and i had to oh, sit no. there and like hand write 300 copies out, and then get them in mailing mailing bags, and then go down the post office in like massive lumps of like 50 at a time. Uh, every, every, all of my locals hated me, because they see me in the post office, I'm there for an hour and a half, like filling out addresses, doing all that. But I got it done, and I'm one person. You know, that's 300 records went out in the space of five days. So if a massive company with this packing can't sell out 100 football shirts in a few days, then they need to hire someone. You know, it's mm. there's not really an excuse for that for me because I've done it myself yeah. on my own. So I, they um, should be ready. They should be prepared. They sh- If they're listening to this and they haven't already put all of those shirts in bags and labelled up what's inside them, ready to just stick someone's address on the front of it and go send it, then they should be doing that now. I would, I would definitely like recommend like- that.
0: I'll put it to you this way, right? I and this this is a wee bit of a shitty comment maybe, because I love so rare. but I if you had to like make me bet right now, does the distribution of prizes go well or go bad? I think I say it goes bad. And it might just be like fifty-five, forty five. Like overall, yeah, they fucked that up a wee bit, but they did alright. They got them out in X amount of time. But I think I don't know if it's just because I've seen it and I know how busy they are and I can see all the marketing efforts and I can see all they're doing and there's the whispers of the Prem and Christmas is coming and I mm. can just smell it. And maybe I'm wrong and I pray I'm wrong because if they can do it on this scale, it'll be seamless going forward and they'll have Mm. sorted it and they'll have the things in place and they'll have the outside couriers or whoever do all this shit for them, the distributors, the distribution network, right? But I just look at it and I go, even for like the leagues like mine where I've got 50 tickets and 10 shirts and whatever, I'm like, how's this going to work? Do I tell yeah. you what each position in my league has won, and then you use their email address because you're the one that has it to contact them? Because how am I going to contact the people that win my league? You imagine <sighs> they'd want to contact me, but let's just say they don't or they don't know how or whatever. If I don't okay, have contact details,
1: like I got one for you. This is how you're going to do it. You're going to have to keep people in touch via your social media. Let pe- let it be known who it is. But obviously they they are their usernames are on your so rare like you know leaderboard. the, the leaderboards you know exactly what their usernames are just get them to send you like an offer for something so that you can se- I mean it's how much a card, of a headache then- is
0: that for me Stish though and how much oh, of a that headache is, a pain, is that for it? everyone else if you've got one prize in your league if you've got two prizes if you get five prizes not a bother if you have yeah. legitimately got I'm having it now where I give out all the limiteds I win on YouTube and what I'll get is I'll get four messages saying I'm this guy who's won yeah. when one of the people's the right guy. So then I'm spending my time having to get them to send me screenshots, reply to their own comment, cross-check the YouTube accounts. Do that. I'm not going to lie. I don't have a day's work in me to distribute. And maybe I'll have to. Don't get me wrong. People will get their prizes. It, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And It's going to have to happen. But what I'm saying is from SoRare's perspective, you know, this should be easy as me giving them like a chart of what each person in my league has won from first to 10, from first to 50, I mean, from first to whatever. If,
1: if they're in your DMs already, I guess you could just say to them, right, if you are this person, can you just send an offer for my, like, raffle now? And then if it comes in, be like, sweet, reject, but you know that, that you are talking to the owner of that account on so rare because they've sent you exactly what you said. But
0: then Imagine it's cross-checking. Long. It's, it's, long. it's a headache is what I'm saying. It's yeah. not, it's not mm-hmm. scalable. It, we'll put it that way. It's no. not scalable. But but this
1: is why we need messaging on SoRare. We need messaging, you know, yeah. like direct messaging between a- accounts on SoRare so you can see exactly who you're messaging. <sighs> yeah. yeah.
0: But anyway, Stish, we've been going on over an hour. Uh, if people want to find you, it's at Plastician on Twitter and you have a great SoRare podcast called The End Product. Is there anything yep. else you would like to promote?
1: Or um, talk about? You can you can find me at Plastician on pretty much anything. So wherever you consume content or follow, um, I'm probably most active on Twitter. I, I'm trying to be more active on Instagram and TikTok. I have like a more sort of football um, oriented TikTok that I'm playing around with at the minute, which um, has some content of me visiting football clubs and stuff like that, some other bits and bobs that I do in a football space outside of my music. But yeah, that that's pretty much it. Like definitely give the end product podcast a, a listen on um, wherever you listen to uh, So Far So Rare, basically. We were on all the, all the platforms there. Shout out Quinny and Tony Watt. We do that. With uh, Quinny, who's obviously probably known to anyone who's listening to this podcast. He's another content creator. And Tony Watt, who's a professional footballer and so rare player. So, uh, yeah, definitely worth a a listen. Other than that, um, I can't think of anything else. I think we've covered a lot. It's been great being on again, John. Thanks for having me, mate.
0: uh, We we did. We covered a lot there. We got through a lot. So, look, thanks for being here. Um, I'm sure you'll be on again. Um, And best of luck with the Global Cup.
1: I'm, I'm going to need it.
0: <laughs> I'll see you later, my man. Good luck.